ఆర్మీ so just to give our uh, listeners a brief idea there is something called vyuha rachana and uh, vyuha means basically a strategic formation and uh, it's quite interesting i i didn't do much research but what i heard was if one army has a formation in the form of a half moon so you can see like a half moon like this and immediately the opposite party makes a formation like a needle or like an arrow so which can go and strike at the mid part of the half moon and they try to break it now before they could break it the half moon phalanx tries to act as a pincer and catch them and then complete the moon and defeat all those soldiers in between so warfare in those times was a constant battle between various uh, vyuha rachana or formation of phalanxes so that was the chakra vyuha which later in mahabharat <clears throat> we read that abhimanyu was trapped in a circular formation one concentric circle within another within another within another and there would be one gate and as soon as abhimanyu would get in they would close the gate <laughs> inside 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 so i think in the 6th or 7th circle he got trapped could not come out and then was unfairly uh attacked by six warriors Warriors. at a time and finally durudana's son called durjaya he came and took out his sword and chopped off his head so that was the sad story of abhimanyu but here we uh going to our verse for the day hey just see how somebody has to keep on juggling words keep on juggling loyalties uh i think it was mark twain who remarked that if you tell the truth you don't worry as to remember as to what you said before if you had lied then you really have to remember what did i say but if you have told the truth well even if you forgot what you said again what would be telling is the truth itself i am using this in connection where duryodhana feels that bhishma dev is ichha marani nobody can kill him 
So just one person is good enough. But he says, no, maybe Dronacharya will feel bad if I respect only Bhishmadev. But if I say Dronacharya is good enough, then Bhishmadev may feel bad. If I say only two are good enough, then the long list of others, they will feel bad. <laughs> My goodness, just see what kind of uh, walking a tightrope the whole thing is. So after praising Bhishma, he says that others might be considering themselves less important. So in his diplomatic way, he tries to adjust the situation. So he says that Bhishma, of course, Bhishma is the greatest hero. But you know something? He's an old man. Poor guy. And uh, by the way, I was hearing one katha where uh, our Gaur Krishna Maharaj uh, said Bhishma Dev, according to one account, was 456 years old. Wow. Okay. We so generally hear really, he was around 189 years old. This is around 456 years old. Okay. Yeah. So there are there are varying accounts. But uh, when did we hear the 189 year? This is something I have come across while reading that, you know, three generations prior he appeared. So like that, they draw some rough calculation. He was around 189 plus years old like that, approximately. Okay. Not from Prabhupada's writings anyway. Prabhupada have not uh, mentioned exact date, uh, the age, but like that. Many other scholars, they say roughly, of course, I don't know the authenticity of that number. Okay. So we all agree that he lived for a very long time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just like Parshuram, he was there uh, during Dasharat Maharaja's times. And then he was there right up to uh, Ramchandra's uh, coronation. And uh, right up to Mahabharata, where he became the guru, the martial guru of Bhishmadev. So these kind of fantastic lifespans are not something which can be I mean, it's not a question of believing or not believing. If we just understand that uh, fantastic lifespans in the bygone ages is something which all of the world, world culture accepts that. I just read somewhere when anthropologist was saying that, look, everything cannot be judged by fossilized evidence, but somehow there are some common themes found throughout the world. And this is one of them that in some bygone age, people were living very long lives. And of course, we have Bhishmadev coming directly from the celestial planets. He was a Vasu. He was cursed to stay here. So that explains his uh, <clears throat> I lifespan. Mean, if I can just add here, because you're talking about the bygone ages, I recently yeah. came across a book written by a British author. And this is at the time of when uh, Britishers were ruling India. So somewhere mm. around 1905 or 1910, uh, they were kind of excavating or doing some repair work in Jagannath Puri. Oh. In one of the temples there. And uh, while it was a broken down temple, while excavating that broken down temple, they came across a man sitting in a post of Samadhi. And when he kind of, when they kind of dealt with that person and brought him back into consciousness, it was later on found that he was in that state for the last 400 years. He remembered 400 years ago what had happened. And it's a documented fact written by a British author that time who was present, who did the study. So you're talking about something what happened 5,000 years ago. <laughs> it is just about, and he lived until 1972. He then later on yeah. had many disciples like that. It's just a recent story. <laughs> so 
these could be isolated events incidents now but they were the norm before correct so we don't find in the mahabharat people always gawking at bhishma dev or always saying my god he 300 years old is 200 years old it was considered kind of normal yeah good point i would like to know the name of this book maybe i could uh, give it a read okay uh, i'll come back later not now yeah maybe even our readers and our audience may find it beneficial if somebody wants to go deep inside this one particular thing i see sometimes in india people love ramayana people love mahabharat they love going to the temple puja janmashtami and they are hung up on one particular issue it could be like a slender thread like in ramayana oh, why did uh, how how can hanuman jump so much yeah. <laughs> how can he capture big peaks so for some it could be like hey if you say he was a old man he was 85 years old i can understand that but if you tell me he's 400 years old i can't well here is this thing something happened in 1905 would you believe it oh well it's a british author so i have to believe it <laughs> <laughs> so continuing our theme here so duryodhan is emphasizing that oh he's a hero bhishma dev is a hero but he's old so you all should protect him from all sides he might become engaged in one fight and the enemy might take advantage so it is important that other heroes please please do not leave your strategic positions and allow the enemy to break the phalanx so is duryodhan confident in one sense yes he clearly felt that victory is ours it's like a i mean it's just a matter of time but victory is ours so bhishma dev on his side dronacharya on his side and one more brilliant thing which prabhupad brings out draupadi is insulting in the kaurav raj sabha was such a in one sense such a ignoble thing which the kauravas did and guess what dronacharya and bhishma dev did not utter a word in protest and this is what is kind of giving duryodhan that confidence confidence that hey if that time i could get my will done whatever i wanted i got it nobody protested especially these two they could have fought with me they could have punished me but they didn't do it so now that they are on my side i am assured of victory anything you want to add on this yeah i mean i was just thinking uh, you know it kind of indicates or kind of looks like you know duryodhan is also kind of of course he's quite concerned about his victory but he also wants to ensure the protection of bhishma pitamaha so someone may think it looks like duryodhan is ensuring that you know nothing happens to bhishma pitamaha but uh, it's actually the whole subject matter of self absorption he is least bothered about anyone else except for his own fulfilling of his own agenda when i was reading mahabharata there's a very interesting thing when bhishma pitama fell down on the 10th day uh, everything said and done is okay and finally when water was given to bhishma pitama by arjuna and all that that all happened and then bhishma pitama told duryodhan duryodhan look what has happened 
you counted on your victory on me i have fallen down still there is a time you can mend your relationship with yudhishthira maharaj give back the kingdom that belongs to yudhishthira maharaj the war ends here and duryodhan what was his response at that point of time he hung his head down didn't say a word and just walked away oh really and now this is something interesting now here right now we are reading about how duryodhan counted on his victory entirely on bishpitama's shoulders and bishpitama passed away he's fallen down and mahabha says and when bishpitama told duryodhan duryodhan just hung his head and walked away so something interesting of course we're going to see ahead what's going to happen uh, but um, he is just like ravana you're talking about the ramayan he saw one by one best of his ministers his brothers his own son best of them were killed yet he was not willing to change his position yet he was not willing to mend his ways so this is what happens probably when people become too self absorbed so the point i'm trying to raise here is um diplomacy all that said is good and fine but the problem here that i have a character with a problem with the character of duryodhan he is too self absorbed and he is not worried about the well-being of anyone else. in other words what i feel here is when i or anyone for that reason becomes extremely selfish they don't give a damn about anyone else mm that's what is kind of going to is looking like here and when we have the whole picture of mahabharat in front of us that's what exactly happened he doesn't give a damn for anyone and not only duryodhan in fact karna also doesn't give a damn about duryodhan everyone is fighting for their own selfish motivation karna wants to fight to prove to the world he is the best archer better than even arjuna and that's the team of duryodhan everyone is for their own agenda unlike the team of pandavas where everyone is fighting propas oh, of course we're going to see so why to say right now we're going to see had how arjuna react to it and propas makes some very wonderful points about arjuna's reaction when arjuna says oh no i don't want to fight arjuna said before the war i don't want to fight and after the war yudhishthira said i don't want the kingdom interesting yeah. they don't want they're fine living in the forest and duryodhan despite having everything he just cannot uh, deal with the fact that pandavas are living i can only be happy when pandavas are dead and to reach to that goal i am willing to sacrifice anyone and everyone that's how i see duryodhan's character and that's a problem that i have from duryodhan's character here maybe a lesson for myself not to become so self absorbed <laughs> well it's a lesson for all of us i i fully agree and very nice of you to bring out these uh, subtleties what i remember um, reading up from the mahabharat is that uh, duryodhan was asked that uh, you know what is dharma correct he says yeah i know but i just don't seem liking doing it i don't know why and you know what is adharma oh yeah i know what is adharma somehow i can't uh, force myself not doing it he says hey it's very strange right you know what is proper conduct and you can't do it you know what is unsocial unethical behavior immoral behavior and you can't control yourself from not doing it what could be the reason ha i know what the reason is there is somebody inside instigating me to doing it so this is in a nutshell like many times uh This is not our topic today, but serial killers or uh, 
unethical entrepreneurs just concerned with profit, profit, profit. In fact, I, me and mine, if somebody has these three things as a goal of his life, I know what is good. I don't want to do it. I don't find it interesting. I know what is bad, but I can't give it up. And uh, who do you think is responsible? Not me. That is, you guys talk of some super soul, something like that, right? So that could be somebody. So the blame not on me. Blame some <laughs> higher power. And and this is exactly, uh, uh, dear friends, we would like to explore in the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita that not that I run the show, the sun, moon, stars, circumambulate me, not in that sense of I am the center of the universe, but I am responsible for my actions. All I need to learn is how should I learn to be responsible for the reactions of my actions which come my way. Some could be good, sweet, some could be bitter, some could be tasteless, but whatever. And again, this is again not the whole game point of the Bhagavad Gita. Looking at life's reactions, which may be sweet, bitter, or tasteless, march on towards the highest goal. Full realization of my spirit soul's potential. That's the exciting part. That's the, in the words of a contemporary author, he says there is the ego drama, which is I, me, mine, which is Duryodhan personified here. And then there is the theodrama, which is Krishna's divine drama, where Krishna has the script, he's the director, he's the producer, he's the musician, he's everything. <laughs> and once you willingly become part of that, then you really know what life is. It's like a much grander stage than your puny, tiny, trivial, small egos, which, you know, I'm the boss here, away me, whatever. So I think we should stop here for today. We will move, uh, we will go to the next verse where suddenly we see all the martial music coming on. <laughs> so uh, some, after some philosophy, now some uh, musical entertainment at the battlefield of Kurukshetra. <laughs> We should see that again. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. We'll Krishna. Thank soon. you so much, everyone. Hare Krishna. Thank you.